Welcome everyone to the Milk It Podcast, the podcast that tugs the tea to popular culture until it explodes all over your face. As always, I'm one of your hosts, Mr. David Davis. And you ain't never had a friend, never had a friend, you ain't never had a friend, never had a friend, you ain't never had a friend love me. <laughs> you ain't never had a friend like me. <laughs> It's your boy, it's Boulamont. And here we are, it's episode 31. Can you imagine episode 31? And it's time to say... Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. To us. It was a year ago, Mr. Boo and I sat down together and recorded our very first podcast. Yes, indeed, Mr. David, a year ago. And if you recall, it sounded a little something like this. Shall we go back in time? Well, hello, here we are. Uh, it's the first ever Milking It podcast. I'm David Davis, and I am joined by the man himself, Mr. Boo Lamont. Hello. The connect doesn't have to be connected all the time. It's not going to watch you while you sleep or masturbate. It's literally... (laughs) You're the only person in the UK who thinks that's a down point. I don't know Bill Gates tattoo on my cock, especially. (laughs) There are upwards of 30 monasteries that claim to have the circumcised skin from Jesus' penis. Well, he's got to have a huge wang to have that much Precisely. He's got to be like a fucking hot air balloon. Hello. If you can hear me, then I'm probably dead. My name's Jay Hodgkin, and I'm trapped in an arcade called the Sticky Floor Fun Emporium. You know, just in my, that's my opinion. But anyway, sorry. Continue. <laughs> no, no, no. You feel free to trample all over as a professional <laughs> sounding thing you're trying to do. I remember crying my eyes out when Davy Boy pinned Brett in 92 at SummerSlam in in UK, in Wembley. Tears of a 10-year-old boy, the first time I remember crying with happiness. You don't fuck with a Scottish guy. Sorry for my Welsh accent there, it's not That's good. That's nice, yeah, you're Pakistan. Um, Biggie Langston, yes, uh, Chuck Lesnar, as a... As a <laughs> as <laughs> you can't as the, say that. That's not a Boo original, that is a... Hey, that, on Twitter... Biggie Langston went on Twitter and said, you know, some of these nicknames are doing my head in. There's Black Goldberg or Blackberg and there's, yeah. there's this or the other. However, I do accept Chuck Lesnar because that is genuinely funny. That's a Biggie Langston saying that. I call my original. Daniel Bryan's had just taken an onslaught from John Cena. We're talking attitude adjustments, the whole five moves of doom. Yeah. And he is unconscious to one pedigree. Triple H, all this time later, you're still at it. Stop holding the young and down. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's not all about the laughs, it's about the opinions, because that's what we're here for. It, it, it's just geek culture, ladies and gentlemen. So thank you, uh, once again, thank you, Dino Peppers. Thank you very much, Jay Hodgkins. Thank you very much, John Sands, for the music, that doom, doom, that's all, John. I, I couldn't do that. I know how to do that. At the end of the day, he is a legend. And thank you very, very much, Boulamont. So... Me and Boo, we're back next week. I hope you'll tune in. An hour's worth of chit-chat and hopefully a little bit more different than what we're doing now. You've got to milk it and you know. Ah, wonderful. And how times have changed, eh, Mr Boo?
indeed, sir. But we're back once again to bring the milksters onto the side of the good side of the of the geeky force. It's once again time for the Milk in It podcast. I've got the said this is episode 31 of the milking it podcast it is our anniversary episode we've been here 12 months now and uh, thank you very much to everyone who's downloaded and listened it's a, a bit of a strange one this one because we obviously there's a, a bit of frivolity in the air because we're very happy to have done 12 months we're very happy to have got through a year's worth of podcasting who could ever have imagined that we'd achieve that um but it's also one that starts with a, a bit of a sad news mr boo uh, as indeed you know i i put my thoughts about it on the the milking um a little bit of which i'll i'll quote now and obviously then Boo can can also chip in, but um, this extremely sad news between uh, episode thirty and now is that uh, the, the death of Robin Williams, unfortunately the suicide of uh, Robin Williams, which is even more saddening. Um, as I said in what I wrote, it, it's been a, a weird twelve months doing these episodes because it seems more often than not we've had to start the episodes uh, eulogising the death of someone that we admired or a childhood hero or a wrestler who's passed away or there's there's been something going on where we've ended ended up having to talk in a sort of reverential way about someone that we, we genuinely felt a, a connection to you know I, I said that when Harold Ramis died talking about it was quite tough because even though he wasn't a high profile celebrity he did mean a huge amount to both Bill and myself and I know several of uh, our milksters who, who've been in contact talking about Rick Mail's death was equally if not more a, a genuinely horrible thing to do um, and a very hard thing to do and keep it snappy and entertaining and everything else and in the end we just decided you know what we're just going to talk about it for as long as it takes uh, we'll put some clips in and people can can really enjoy it and um, hopefully we did him justice because he, he was someone that we again genuinely admired um, but Robin Williams passing is um a genuine sort of stopping of the clocks for me. It was one of those things where I, I woke up in the morning, and again, this is what I wrote about. Um, woke up in the morning, it was about three a.m., and I saw that Boo had sent me a message. And um, our relationship is such that that's not unusual, is it, for us to sort of message each other? I know we're both we're both sometimes. late late uh, late sleepers. And yeah, so. you know, I'm a, my insomnia is pretty rubbish at the moment and um, boo has a night shift so he's he's wide awake if he sees something that you know it's going to make me laugh or something that's going to make me smile then he'll, he'll tend to send me a message about it or if he's you know heard something funny um but this was really awful because he he was the one who delivered the message that uh, one of my my heroes was dead and uh, that robin williams had uh, committed suicide and it was one of those things of sort of searching around all of the the websites and stuff on my iphone and being obviously i was wide awake then when i heard the news and um finding that this this individual this someone who had uh, been so influential in, in forming me as an individual and a performer and someone who wanted to entertain 
had decided to voluntarily check out and uh, obviously amongst the sort of darkest moments that uh, that mental illness can bring to, to any person who, who's encountered it. For me, and obviously I'll, I'll let Boo speak just a second, for me, uh, Robin Williams has a, an amazing place in my childhood because I think he his main sort of, his films and the ones that were really popular came at that right kind of time for me, 12, 13 years old. I would actively seek out films that had Robbie Williams in it I would he was as I said a, a comedy tractor beam you know he he had that manic comic persona that you know I always thought as a kid hang on this this isn't how an adult is supposed to behave and you'd see him on things like the Terry Wogan's show or the Parkinson chat shows and he would be the draw he would be the absolute perfect chat show guest because he had such a a craziness and such an enigma about him that he just drew you in and it didn't matter who else was on that particular show he would dominate and take over because he was that kind of performer you know he was just that manic individual um but he was there he was doing daft voices he was doing impressions that i didn't particularly know you know i didn't have any idea about political stuff that was going on at the time but i recognized the fact that he was doing an impression of ronald reagan or doing an impression of daffy duck it was just funny it was him being funny um Films-wise, uh, as I've said, he it came at that time, and I've mentioned it before in the Milking Podcast how much I love Mrs. Doubtfire. I think we even mentioned it when the the Totally Insane Tape Show and the Milking Podcast did a crossover. I think we talked about um, the possibilities of like remakes and stuff and reboots, and the idea of Mrs. Doubtfire came up. And uh, at, at the time, that was in production was the Mrs. Doubtfire too. But the the first one uh, was for me possibly the perfect film um really tight 90 minutes really great script it was funny it was clever it didn't have that typical hollywood ending it was developed alongside his wife she was the main producer behind it um it's still in my top three films of all time it's still something i watch all the time and it was the motivation for me um a lot of people went to to university with me were really really into their sort of quentin tarantino's they really wanted to write that multi-layered narrative with interweaving storylines they wanted to you know, develop these hard-ass characters who fired guns and you know did everything that was cool and gangster and had a really trippy soundtrack and you know they wanted to do that style of filmmaking i went to university to do filmmaking because i wanted to make mrs doubtfire i wanted to write the perfect family comedy i wanted to write something that was smart and intelligent it didn't criticize this you know it didn't um it, it didn't take itself too seriously but it also didn't patronize its audience that was what i thought was the perfect film i just wanted to produce a comedy as good as mrs doubtfire and no without a shadow of a doubt the main reason for that was the performance that he gave in that particular film the the the, the other thing i'll very quickly say before i move on and abu can say uh, was that his stand-up was very influential for those who know i used to do stand-up i haven't done it for quite a while this this news has actually made me start writing stuff again and the idea is that i, I want to get back up on stage and do some stand-up this year um but he it was just groundbreaking for me it opened the floodgates for me for me i was used to seeing stand-up as a sort of saturday evening tv thing of little and large and the, the very very british style of two guys with a microphone or one guy with a microphone telling mother-in-law jokes he did not do that he absolutely blew me away he got me into watching things like richard pryor who was a massive influence on him you know and it just completely blew it apart you know bill hicks came off the back of robin williams he was just this 
crazy conduit for the comedy gods. Everything went through him. His observations, his crazy voices, the thoughts and feelings that just flew off him like sparks. And you could not help but get entertained. He was he was so talented. I, I, I said in the piece that I wrote, the way I looked at it, he's, he was like a great musician. A great musician can play well to the point where he can just step aside from pieces of music and he can riff and he can create on the spot. And that is exactly what Robin Williams could do. And he played the sweetest music I've ever heard. And he want to, he made me want to play as well. So Robin Williams, thank you very much, sir, for everything you did. A massive influence on me. And I'm sure, Boo, you feel the same. Absolutely, Dave. Was, I, I, as you said... There's so many celebrity deaths these days that none of them really hit home. But the more news that came out about Robin Williams' death, the, mm. the sadder it made me. Um, I was first exposed to Robin Williams uh, through Morgan Mindy in the mid-80s, um, kind of to early 90s, um, when it was shown over here. Yeah. And yeah, you could see like a childlike wonder in everything Robin Williams did. And of course... Um, I, we, you know, we're from that time of the '90s where there was a Robin Williams film out every year. You know, '91 we had Hook. You know, we mm. toys, um, just so many influential movies. Um, Popeye, God, I mean, he's just been in literally every, you know, every kind of genre. He's been in thriller. You know, he he was a he was a very wide right. He had a wide range as an actor, and nobody kind of has understood it until he's passed away. But if you compare roles in like One Hour Photo hmm. um, and Dead Poet Society, and then then on the flip side, uh, you know, and The World According to Garp, kind of these dramatic or thriller and something that takes him out of his usual role, to the obvious comedies and which he's always been good in. Miss Doubtfire, as you said, a personal favourite of mine is The Birdcage. <laughs> yes, course. very much so. Very much so. I mean, um, in the last few years, I was lucky enough to get um, stuff like the Richard Pryor show, which he. Uh, you know, to see him in a regular as a regular on a sketch show was just fantastic. Um, you know, just just a terrible, terrible loss, uh, and one, and literally a celebrity death that I, I'm feeling still right now. I mean, he's such a shock, and uh, it's such a shame that someone that brought so much pleasure and joy and, and happiness to people went out alone in that state of mind. And I just think, you know, if anything good can come of it. It's that he's going to bring depression as a real issue out into the forefront. And, you know, if somebody like like Robin Williams can suffer silence, then, you know, there's no need for people to suffer like that. Um, and there are places you can get help and there are people you can talk to. I desperately urge anyone who's in that position or in that state of mind to, to seek out help or assistance because if someone that can bring you know how that much happiness can get that low than anyone can get that low no absolutely and uh, yeah I, I said in the piece that i wrote i, I think the possibly the, the the biggest gift that he's given and you know god knows he he gave enough throughout his life is that his death has brought about a lot of coverage about depression it's, it's created a lot of interest in the media with talking finally talking about the idea of depression especially amongst males it's not something that people like to talk about but at the end of the day you know if you are feeling like that and you know i've, I've had family members and you know friends who have been touched by depression and mental illness it is something we need to break down that stigma about yes i know we're a geeky podcast and we're a comedy podcast and, and this is a bit serious however I, I maintain that and I mean that quite sincerely I echo Boo's thoughts 
if anyone listening has ever had those thoughts ever had those feelings ever had those doubts and worries then there are people you can talk to and please do because at the end of the day yeah you are all important we love you milksters and uh, rest in peace robin williams thank you for everything and uh, i suppose we should happy this show up and get on there absolutely i'm sure uh, someone like mr williams would not appreciate us being too down we shall get up and get on with the geek news kids but we do have to take a moment of silence and bid a fond farewell to george w bush yes it's the end of the reign of george the second the reign of error is over america is officially out of rehab welcome us we have come back thank you He is a gift to comedy, though. He is a comedy piñata. I'm going to miss him. <laughs> a man who said, I'm the decider. No, sir, you're the president. You make decisions. Deciders what they sell in the little jug. <laughs> a lot of people, he also said, I am misunderestimated. And I went, no, not really. <laughs> and you think, what is he? Well, I have to think, what is he going to do after he leaves office? No, he cannot go on a speaking tour. That's a given. <laughs> But I do think he could do stand-up comedy because he has eight years of amazing material. <laughs> he has stuff, and here's some of W's greatest hits. The question that's never asked, is our children learning? <laughs> I just found out that a lot of our imports come from other countries. <laughs> America, a country where you can put food on your family. <laughs> our enemies are looking for terrible ways to destroy this country, and so are we. <laughs> You have a little sympathy, though. W comes from a family where the smart brother is named Jeb. So you have to kind of... <laughs> okay, so now it is time, as always, for us to take a stroll to the week of geek. It's the Geek News! First off in the geek news, Mr. Boo, I think I'm going to choose one of my stories. My story is one that I know is going to uh, rattle your cage, so to speak, or should I say, shut down your containment unit. Yes, these Ghostbusters have no dick. Damn it, you stop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there has been a rumour that Ghostbusters 3, which we've mentioned so many times across the last 12 months, is still going to happen. So any pictures are saying, yeah, we're still going to do it. However, they've kind of got rid of the idea of the reboot that uh, Eaton Cohen, uh, the Tropic Thunder writer, had written. Um, and they've gone more towards a very different idea, have they not, Mr. Boo? Yes, uh, they've gone with a bit of a <laughs> They've gone with a bit of a gender bender on us. Um, the rumours at the moment are that it will be an all-female-led Ghostbuster squad. Sounds good to me. <laughs> No, it does. I, I think that's quite a good idea. Why, why not? I, if, if you're going to reboot it, then why not reboot it so it's a completely different film that can exist in a different sort of... You, not a universe. Um, you know, because there's the fear that Melissa, Melissa McCarthy will be in it because she's in... Uh, the rumour director... Sorry, no, the, the, the director creating talks is Paul Feige. Right, yeah. Who did Bridesmaids, right? That's right. Very funny film. Very good. I'm sure it's fine. Um, I'm, I'm worried that Melissa McCarthy has this stereotype of not I'm fat and I'm funny. It's I'm funny because I'm fat. And right. I don't like those kind of comedians at all. I, uh, it shouldn't matter. The only name that piqued my interest was Kristen Wiig. You may recognise her, a British milksters from the movie Paul. 
uh, with um, Simon, Simon Pegg. Pegg. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, but obviously, to us SNLers, um, she was a main cast member for Saturday Night Live, and she was a leading light for many years, and she's a fantastic comedian. So I'd be all up for Kristen Wiig in it. I mean, it would have to be people like Amy Poehler. Um, who else is rumoured? Jeez. Um, what's her name, Dave? Um, I haven't. To be fair, I've not seen a list of people that are, are going to be going into it, uh, or possibly going into it. I just I saw the, uh, the the news that they were considering the idea of a, a female reboot. But I I think why not? You know that. There's, surely there, there aren't enough films with strong female leads like that. You know, you'd never get a female Expendables, would you? you know. Is that meant to be a sarcastic comment? It is. Yes, it is. <laughs> because the thing is, though, with the Expendables, that's easier to cast, for, in my opinion, hmm. because there have been some fantastic. Here, here he goes, Booley defending his non-sexism. There have been some fantastic leading ladies who yes. have kicked some arms, <clears throat> especially Sigourney Weaver. Yeah, well, and there's the tie-in with Ghostbusters. Although Ghostbusters, I, of course, I, can't, I couldn't, I couldn't see her coming back to do that. Although she's, uh, you know, she's she has said she would be up for doing uh, Ghostbusters three um, if the script is right, and I believe she said if Bill Murray was involved. So obviously, Bill Murray would not necessarily be involved uh, with this, and it, it does sound like there is no real tie-in with the original films. It is going to be a separate uh, entity, and it's not going to have three in the title, as we've said before. It's. I don't know. I, I, I'm up for it. I, I think why not? You know, I, I think it's it's different enough. I'd be more excited about the idea of seeing it, you know, with a, a female cast than if they said, okay, right, here are four people. This guy is now playing Peter Venkman. This guy is now playing Ray, uh, Raymond Stance. No, but that was yeah. never what it was going to be, Dave. I was always led to believe that Ghostbusters three would be a passing of the torch. So you'd have the original Ghostbusters um, in cameos, training, or at least being seen by. Hmm. By, by the new Ghostbusters. I mean, the, the whole. I mean, the, the original plan for the Ghostbusters movie was um, that they wanted to open franchises, but that was the point of the Ghost. I, I think it's mentioned in the first film. Actually, they go, "Oh, we could franchise this kind of thing." A bit like uh, the Batman Incorporated story. Right? Yes, yes, indeed, indeed. Yeah. So um, you would have like different, and I love that idea. You know, Ghost, Ghostbusters UK, Ghostbusters um, France, Ghostbusters, you know, uh, South America. Like you would have Ghostbusters, and I think that would work in a comic book. Definitely, like because there's so many different mm. ghostly supernatural legends from other countries. You could have like the, the you know the South American Ghostbusters chasing the the Chubacabra, or um, you could have like a team of Egyptian um, Ghostbusters, you know, investigating like pyramids and stuff. I think that would be a really cool concept for a comic book. Maybe not yeah. so much. A film. But yes, I digress. Rant, uh, rant as always. I don't think an all female cast would. You'd need to have a bit of diversity in there and I know that's, that's wrong since every other Ghostbusters has been a man but I think if you had like two female Ghostbusters and two male Ghostbusters maybe or have a husband and wife and then like team and then hmm. like you know another woman and another guy I, I, I don't know I just you're not you're not convinced I, I can tell you're not convinced it just smacks of this pandering to this current. Let's you know, not. Yeah, yeah. Let's not. It's if, not if, you, let's... if you want to hear Boo's thoughts on this, because I know they touched on it briefly. Um, if you listen to a podcast called the Totally Insane Tape Show, it's our sister podcast, um, and our sisters indeed, Boo Lamont and Dino Peppers, uh, get together and discuss this this kind of thing, and they do have a, a very entertaining discussion about the idea of a female Ghostbusters team. So check that out, kids. Uh, next up, Booley, what have you got on your list of geeky news? Well, if we're talking movies, um, mm. there's a couple of bits of superhero news coming out of um, 
last couple of weeks. First one which piqued my interest was uh, Marvel are considering an Inhumans movie. Hmm. Uh, I know you're not a Marvel guy, Dane. I am not. So, um, the Inhumans, um, they're kind of like mutants. Now, you know Marvel Pictures can't use the word mutants because that's owned by Fox. Yes. So they have to use terms like the, the Age of Miracles and stuff like that. But that, it would be basically the closest to like a mutant picture we'd got from Marvel. Uh, it's based on a Jack Kirby and Stanley comic book from way, way, way back in 1965. Yeah. Um, and it's got kind of like bad guys um you've got black bolt medusa whose whose hair has a life of its own can you uh, imagine and, Lock, and lockjaw who if he opened his mouth it destroys everything around him so some really interesting characters um, <laughs> was that based on you on some of your podcasts yes uh, every time i open my mouth i destroy <laughs> things but lockjaw is actually a cosmic sorry my mistake that's black bolt lockjaw is a dog who can teleport Oh, of course, yes, yeah, of course. How could we forget that, Milsters? Hey, if, if, if Guardians of the Galaxy is anything to go by, yeah. that kind of thing can work on the screen. This is what I was saying. I was thinking, it, it, has this come off the back of the success of Guardians of the Galaxy, which is looking to, uh, this weekend, as we record, uh, is looking to have taken over $200 million worldwide. It has overtaken Transformers as the most successful film of the year so far. So is this a green light for... Marvel to start digging even deeper into their back catalogue because they now know, oh, we can do a standalone film with some characters no people have ever heard of as long as we get the script right and you know get a decent film out of it. Oh, definitely. Um, I mean, if they can make a film uh, about a, a living tree and he's made a raccoon work, then I think they can make anything work. And I love that. I've really enjoyed Guardians of the Galaxy, and I think the the cosmic Marvel thing is really going to work for them. I don't think we've actually chatted about it because I haven't had a chance to see it um, since we last we last spoke. But you've you've watched the film, have you? Yes. And oh yes, loved it. Fucking okay. Loved it. Yeah, quick review. Yeah, decent. I've heard the soundtrack, which was amazing. It was most of my iPod seemed to appear in the film, so I'm I'm very excited about the soundtrack. But soundtrack's uh, fantastic. Yeah. Um, it, a couple of really good action scenes and some genuinely laugh out loud moments. Brilliant. Uh, it, it, I dare say it is the best Disney picture today. Ooh, okay. uh, Disney, Marvel. Well, same one and the same thing, mate. Yeah, one and the same. Let's not go there. As we've discussed no, many um, times. Even, even, even Dave pulled his weight. He was really good. So um... not talking about me, Milksters. I wasn't in it. We we're talking about Mister. Bat- oh no, Mister Batista. Batista. Sorry. Yes. Oh yes, you're Dave as well. No, but in all honesty, I, I really enjoyed it. And um, I, I, I'm, you know, we're not going to talk about the post credit uh, here and now. Um, no, Andy Peters. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, Andy Peters, my. But um, thoroughly, thoroughly entertaining movie, and yeah, probably the best Marvel picture today. Um, yeah, there's a couple of laugh moments in the Avengers, but there are they're kind of like, oh, that, that's quite clever. <laughs> this one is that's funny. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think you, yeah, you, you got that tone from the trailer that they were going for gags rather than just kind of oh yes, yes, we get well, the the ironic little giggles from people because Tony Stark said something that we all. You know, find a little bit of music, but now I, I right, I will definitely, definitely check that out if it's worth uh, worth a watch, sir. I will uh, give that a go. It is, it is certainly worth a watch. Um, and uh, next time I'll have a little review of the new Turtles movie because soon uh, as soon as that comes out, I've got to check that out. Yeah, again, um, getting some decent reviews and some very mixed. Not so decent. Yeah, <laughs> it's. I think it depends on where you're coming from with that. Uh, from what I've read so far. The people who were fans of the original Turtles sort of cartoon series and comic books 
are actually quite liking it. The people who are not fans of Michael Bay are not liking it for the same reasons they didn't like Transformers and everything else and the, that way. But, you know, I, I'm looking forward to watching it because I want to make my own mind up. But uh, I think I'm probably going to end up going with the anti-Michael Bay thing because I'm... Just, you just remember, Dave, he didn't direct it, he's just producing it. He didn't direct it, but he did influence it enough to look like a Michael Bay film. So, from everything I've seen from the trailer, it looks like a Michael Bay film. So, yeah. just just quickly, did you hear about their little um, their little slip up uh, involving um, one of the promotional posters they put out? Yes, that was dreadful. That was. So, you, why would sorry, you not, Why would you not realise what you've done? You know, if you're working in a PR company, that's a PR disaster. I mean, basically, for the milkshakes that don't know, it has the date nine eleven on it, and uh, the picture is them jumping out of two exploding skyscrapers. Mm. Yeah, it did remind me of something that happened in America's history uh, about thirteen years ago. Slightly ill judged, let's put it. Like yes, that. Uh, very much so. But yeah, that's 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 the Bay Machine. <laughs> Indeed. Um, yeah, but uh, talking about uh, superheroes, there's also been a confirmation. We, we spoke about the uh, the actor having been confirmed, uh, and now they have actually confirmed there will be a standalone uh, a movie for Aquaman. Not only that, but there are two scripts, apparently. Oh, they're fighting against each other to get the right script. Um, which... Swimming against their own tide. Ah, I see what you did there, sir. Um, yeah, so there's two scripts being worked on with the ideas of the, uh, developing an uh, Aquaman uh, single movie, which is something I would definitely watch if they can get him as cool as Injustice. We've said this many times. Uh, they actually make the, the character seem quite kick-ass. Um, in fact, did you hear the thing of um, Zack Schneider went on to a... Zack Schneider! There we go. There we go. Every time. Um, Zack Schneider went on to a, a, a radio show in the States where he was... Uh, they were talking about like superheroes. They were having like, a bit of a geek fest. And they were knocking Aquaman as a character. So Zack Schneider phoned up the radio station and defended Aquaman to the point of a proper geek out moment of him saying how good he was and how his trident can pierce Superman's armor and this, that, and the other. It was very cool. In fact, I will put a clip of it right now. This, this is Zack Snyder. The Zack. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm on my way to set right now, and I was listening to you guys on the radio, and I just, you guys were disparaging a little bit Aquaman, just a team. I mean, not, it didn't feel oh, like. Oh, yeah, we were wondering. <laughs> <laughs> we are questioning uh, who, why who, he's involved, yes. Who he could beat. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm not gonna. I don't. I'm not. I, I'm just. I don't want to like give anything away about you know movie or anything like that. But I just, you know, Aquaman has some cool abilities. You know that I think people are like, oh, what? I, does he talk to animals? Because that seems like what he does, or fish, or whatever. But I think, you know, the cool thing is, I mean, with Aquaman, you know, he's tried, and you know, people don't realize that like that can actually could cut the flesh of Superman if. You know, they came in contact. That's a thing that's in the canon. Mm-hmm. And he can, he's super strong because, of course, he can exist at these super deep depths. So when he comes up here, it's like he's crazy strong. But anyway, not to say he's in my movie or anything like that. But <laughs> I'm just saying he's, he's, uh, but if he was, those were the he cool things. He has the potential to be badass. That's all I'm saying. So yeah, that comes across as a, you know that that's someone who understands the character so well. But also, that sounds like a bit of a hint for what you're going to see in maybe the Batman versus Superman movie, but definitely the Justice League movie, and a hundred percent 
in a single Aquaman movie, which I would I would watch that, sir. I would I I want to see what they do with the first. They very unsuccessfully tried to bring Aquaman to TV and films a couple of times, as far as I'm aware. I mean, there was a there was a, an un, unreleased uh, pilot. Well, not an unreleased, an un, un what's the word? They didn't greenlight it. Yeah, unsuccessful pilot uh, for an Aquaman TV series, um, and it was but, like a young it was like a young surfer guy, and he was Aquaman. But I think the, that's the thing is that we're at the point now where if they do a movie, the special effects are so good now fucking if if sharknado can get a second film surely to god we can do a decent not just a second film but like millions tuned in to watch it yeah ridiculous amount of people if they can do it i feel like i'm sure we can do a decent aquaman film by now with the special effects that we can do um yeah and i mean he's not got he's not got many interesting villains but he has black mantra who is really Hmm interesting kind of guy um especially as featured on batman the brave and the bold mm. love that car too um but yeah no I, i'm i know in all honesty i'm on board for a um aquaman movie i i'm interested I, you know we've seen what marvel can do as i keep saying i'm just interested to see what dc pull out now yeah no totally i, I think that's the thing is that you know everything i've seen so far i mean i, I agree with what you guys were saying because again I, I listened to your discussion with dino is that Marvel have pretty much swept the board. And we've said this before as well, that Marvel have the films down pat. They know exactly what they're doing. DC have got the animated universe down pat. They have they have conquered that universe and Marvel have the film universe. It's getting to the point now where DC is starting to think, right, we need to develop it further. We need to get into the film universe outside of just having Batman as the iconic figure you know they need to expand that they need to have a wider universe on film it looks like we're heading that way it looks really good everything i'm seeing from batman versus superman it has me excited i love the idea of a justice league movie however that's they've got to be really careful because ensemble pieces don't always work as well as they hope they will um but no excited very excited as we said time and time again talking of movies a little quick bit of uh, info that has come through across the past few days there have been leaks ahoy sir someone has been kicking holes in the bow of the ship that is the new star wars film because there are pictures surfacing and you don't quite know whether they're true or not or what, but there's been several pictures that have unveiled things that we can be looking forward to seeing in the very next Star Wars picture, sir. Yes, indeed, David. There's been leaked pictures of what people is purportedly mm. new outfits for the Stormtroopers and uh, a very interesting image that appeared on my news feed yesterday that was of, supposedly of the new villain, and he looked kind of like a ghoulish, a ghoulish visage holding Vader's helmet. As it were. I know. <laughs> no, Dave. No, Dave. Leave no. it. Um, yes, it. also, the, the the other two, though. And the bad guy looks very cool. If that, if that is the bad guy, which we don't know, obviously no one's going to confirm that now, but it does look quite cool. I like the tie-in with the Vader helmet and everything else. Um, I wonder whether... No, let's not pontificate. We don't know. Um, there was also a, a really nice shot of concept art for Han Solo's outfit, which looked stunningly familiar because it looked almost identical to his outfit in Blade Runner so Harrison Ford not stretching it very much with a long trench coat um, we're used to seeing him dressed like that but it did look very cool but the coolest picture that I saw all week forget the stormtroopers forget the bad guy forget Han Solo 
was a picture that Mark Hamill is on set. They've started shooting again. Mark Hamill is there, and he is sporting a classic Jedi beard, sir. Obi-Beard Kenobi, David. <laughs> Absolutely. Looking like those who have gone before him. He uh, Obviously, it, it's in the contract as a Jedi. Um, you have to grow a beard as you get older, uh, just before you get struck down and disappear uh, and your clothes fall to the floor. Um, but no, it, it, it looks really cool. I'm, I'm really excited about Star Wars. Really genuinely excited. Um, I was watching, in fact, last night, Empire was on. I had forgotten how good that film was. And... Oh, shit. Sorry, Dave. You've just reminded me... There's a, sorry, while we're talking Star Wars, yes. I've heard from two very, very reliable sources. Yes. Are they, are they droids? That One of them may be. Um, that Disney hmm. are doing something which fans have asked for. Oh, happening yes. before episode seven. Have you read, David? The annou- the, the, it's, at the moment, there's been no official announcement. Yeah. However, it is presumed... From what I'm being told, hmm. Disney will be releasing the original trilogy, yep. unaltered, yep. and cleaned up yep. on Blu-ray. I had heard this as a rumour. Um, yeah, like we say, nothing has been confirmed. Very excited to watch that. Um, basically, yet another kick in the dick to George Lucas. Disney are saying, yeah, well, not saying, but they are. It has been rumoured. Yeah, there will <laughs> there will be a Blu-ray and HD release. And they were also talking about doing a cinema release, much in the same way that they've recently done Back to the Future as part of the Secret Cinema, uh, which has got into the UK top 10 based just on the performances that are shown in, in London of Back to the Future. How, though? How? Has it had that many people come through? Literally, it's, it has been packing it like two or three Can times. I just ask? Sorry. Mm. It's, right, it's 55. I, I personally think Secret Cinema is a bit of a rip. Yeah. However, that's just my opinion. Yeah. £55 a ticket. Yeah. So... Surely that's like the equivalent of five yep. <laughs> yep. to a film. So is that why it's in the top ten, just because the tickets themselves are so expensive? Um, yes, that'll be part of it. It'd be the same it's, reason it's why... It's based on box office takings, Yeah, it'd be it? the same reason why 3D films get into the top ten quicker than 2D well, films. Because they cost more to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes, absolutely. Exactly. It's basic economics, sir. Basic economics, kids. Yeah. Um... I can't even remember what we were talking about now. Oh yeah, the oh, release, but they're, they're talking Wars. about releasing Star Wars again at the cinema in the the run up to the newest one coming out. They would show the originals. I would quite happily go and watch the originals in the uncut version, pristine on screen, cleaned up, looking all sexy. Uh, definitely, if there is no dodgy CGI in it, I would quite happily go and watch those films. Because sitting there last night watching Empire. Just a great film, as we know. It wasn't directed by Lucas, uh, so it was actually directed really well. Um, was the, the quite possibly, arguably, the best of the Star Wars films. But just every time some CGI was shoehorned into it, you were like, "What? What is he doing? I can't. Why has he put that in? You don't need an extra cloud there. You don't need. Oh, just pack it in. Anyway." So, uh, yeah, I, I would quite happily go and watch that at the cinema again. I would love to. I saw the, the newest ones at the cinema. I would love to go and watch the original trilogy at the cinema. You see, didn't they originally plan to do the... They, they released Phantom Menace in 3D, but they didn't do the other two, did they? Because it wasn't cost-effective. It was too... Yeah, it was too expensive, unfortunately, for them to do it in 3D. Um, I can't I imagine it added I anything quite, to it. I'd quite happily watch Jedi in 3D, though, the original Jedi. I don't know, because I, I... Milksters. I wear glasses, so... I've only tried to go to the cinema for a 3D movie once, and it was a horrible, I wear horrible experience. 
I wear glasses, and not only did we watch 3D in the cinema, we had we had a 3D TV in one of my um, flat shares, and we watched 3D films all the time. And I wear, you know, I found them fine to just wear over my glasses. See, I can't because I can't watch. I literally, if I take my glasses off, then it's weird. And I don't like wearing the glasses over glasses. That's like, I really feel conscious about that. It's, it's not a good look for me at all. So I, 3D has passed me by. It's, it's a gimmick that I've never really uh, got into. So, but uh, anyway, again, we digress, sir. Um, so yes, Star Wars, lots of pictures. And like we say, uh, rumours abound that the original trilogy will be uh, re-released by Disney. Um, just to spite Mr. Lucas. <laughs> evil that feeds on the sick and demented which once haunted videos that were rented are back to turn the blood to ice of all of those who own a personal digital device on VHS DVD and Blu-ray too in your pants it may make you Therefore, celebrate and rejoice Peppers and Lamont as they tell tales of films you should and should not want. The Totally Insane Tape Show is something you should not fear. Listen to it with some food snacks and a beer. To find it, go to iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud and TuneIn Radio. No excuses to these sites. You must go. And to find out whence the evil comes from, go online and look at totallyinsanetapeshow.com. <laughs> Join Josh Armour and Todd Eastman every Friday for Wrestle Radio Australia. Covering WWE, TNA, Ring of Honor and Australian Pro Wrestling. Exclusive interviews including Buddy Murphy, Adam Pearce, TV legend Rose McManus and many others. Download for free on iTunes or Stitcher and stream us on the TuneIn Radio app. It's Australia's wrestling broadcast. It's Wrestle Radio Australia. Hello, Milksters. Your old pal and friend of the show, Mossman here, off of 80's classic cartoon, Masters of the Universe. As you can imagine, I've had a lot of time on my hands since that cartoon finished, and I've been aching to hear some quality, geeky podcast that rounds up all the news in a nice, tight package. Only thing is, we don't have iPhones. Oh, not after old King Randolph fell out with Steve Jobs back in 92. Well... Imagine my delight that now the Milk and Get podcast is available on Stitcher for Android users like myself. Stitcher.com has all the information. Oh, I can't wait to tell Fisto he'll be well made up. Okay, so we move on to some games news. And as has become tradition across the last few episodes, our games news is provided, or at least started, by Mr. Jay Hodgkin. So, Jay, take it away with this week's games news. 
Hey diddly dee, there's some ruddy game news from me. Five stories once again. And this week, not one development team closure. The curse is over. Until next week, I'm planning on leaving a dead badger behind the radiator of the Way Forward Studios canteen and ringing the health authority. Don't judge me, I need news to live. Final Fantasy Cafe. If you could eat in any game universe, which one would you eat in? Probably not Last of Us or Gears of War. That would probably be a bit morbid. At least the former would have plenty of mushrooms, though. I love mushrooms. Even ones that parasitically take away your consciousness and make you look like a battered vijayjay. Well, for heaven's sake, you can eat in a game universe. Provided that you live in Japan. There is a Final Fantasy XIV-themed eatery, and boy, oh boy, is it a pretty one. Titled the Ezera Cafe and modelled after the Carline Canopy, it looks like you could walk about and steal from chests. Inside the cafe, you can see weapons, armour and cute moggles as well as a giant map of the world. I'm presuming the Final Fantasy world. There are also PCs where patrons can play the game. And we all know that if a cafe opened here that was influenced by a game, it would be bloody FIFA or Call of Duty because no one over here has the slightest bit of imagination. God, I hate you all! Walking Dead! Telltale are determined to make you feel miserable, the scabs. They've announced this week that they'll be doing a third season of the Walking Dead video game to keep us chuckling on at night. Expect more cutie Eve zombie culling events and tough moral decisions next year. But for heaven's sake, don't forget to play season two first, which is still dripping out of Telltale like water from a fucked tap. Firefly Online. Two things in life are guaranteed to make us nerds sigh. Number one, hearing how many sexual partners that normal people have had. And two, how Firefly was cancelled after just over a dozen episodes. Well... Guess what, nerds? There's a game on the way. Yes! And it features the entire original main cast in voice acting roles. Wow, how exciting. Well, temper that enthusiasm, kids. Get back to sighing. Oh. It's an online mobile strategy game. Oh. Do you know what? There's this hot girl I know that's had three times the amount of sexual partners that I've had. And I'm friend-zoned. The Gay Station 4. No, that's not an immature eight-year-old Xbox fan giving his opinion on Sony products in a schoolyard or on an internet forum. No, no, no. This is a genuine object being auctioned off by Scandinavian internet retailer Webb Harlan to raise money for the Swedish Federation of Lesbian, Gay, Bisexual and Transgender Rights, believed to be the world's oldest LBTG organisation. It's a rainbow-coloured PS4 with a Zelda-esque heart decal on its flank. And you know what? It looks bloody spiffing. At the time of writing, the top bid for this console is over a £1,000. By the time you hear this, this auction will be closed, sadly. Oh well, I guess you could always cover your PS4 in Tipex, then colour it in with a packet of felt tips. Yeah, screw you, so-called man with your bloody warranties. N64 Soap. Available exclusively in the UK from an internet retailer that rhymes with Squirebox. You can now get bars of citrus-scented soap that look exactly like N64 cartridges. 
These were made because someone had an idea, but apparently no one to talk them out of such silliness. Right, I'm off to hold friend's own girl's coat as she cops off with some good-looking dude in the woods. See you soon! So, that was the Games News from Jay. Thank you very much for that. We've got a couple of bits to add, because it's been a while since he sent that through, so obviously things have been happening. I believe there is something horrible afoot, Boo. There is something terrifying coming <laughs> over the hill, Mr. David. See what mm. do there? That's the announcement of a new Silent Hill title, but yeah. the real excitement was in the names of the people that are making the game. Yeah. And that is the announcement that Hideo Kojima of Metal Gear Solid fame and Guillermo del Toro, Guillermo del Toro of <laughs> movies galore fame, including Pacific Rim, Pan's Labyrinth, Kronos, mm. all of the good stuff, uh, are, are combining Hellboy. their talents to make a Silent Hill game. Yes, I was very excited about it. So I'm because I'm a I'm a huge Hellboy fan. Uh, Hellboy one and two, both both films that I do go back to again and again to watch. Um, I'm a huge Pan's Labyrinth fan. Absolutely loved it. Haven't really got into Pacific Rim as much, but that's by the by. Um, but yeah, how cool is that? Two of the greatest. The only thing that concerns me is if you tie a director who has a wonderful cin- sort of cinematography and a, a wonderful style um, to his movies and his designs with someone who loves a 40-minute cutscene, what kind of gameplay are we going to get? Is the only concern. Minutes in between an hour. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. But stylistically, it's going to be fucking beautiful. Oh, it's going to look beautiful. Yeah, and the story will be great. Uh, I, but I think there'll be about four quick time events, and the rest will just be uh, FMVs. But uh, yeah, very interested to see uh, what they do with the Silent Hill movie. Movie with the Silent Hill game. Um, Might as well be Dave with these guys on board. Definitely, definitely can't be any worse than the movie with uh, Sean Bean, which was absolutely fucking dreadful. Um, the other games news that I have um, was a little bit of news on Two K Fifteen, the WWE game. Mm. This time last year, because uh, I listened back, obviously, when I was doing uh, the little clips of the first episode, we were talking about the unveiling of uh, some of the 2K14 stuff. And that was just after THQ had gone out of business. Uh, 2K took over the franchise because they realised it obviously is a, a franchise that keeps on selling. It's one of the most successful games franchises currently going. Um, this is their first game. This is the game that they're going to try and prove themselves with um did you get a chance to see uh, gamescon has just happened there some people have taken some very dodgy iphone uh, movies of some gameplay of the new game did you get a chance I to catch that i have seen it uh, it's mm. randy orton facing antonio cesaro yes yeah no holds barred match that they, they set up they on are part st- of the starting to look spookily realistic aren't they graphics um they are yeah I, the only thing i'd say is uh, one of the interviews that i read is that because I watched it and thought that ring seems really small, it doesn't seem right in some way. But apparently, this is the first time they've actually got a proper proportion to the ring, so the ring is actually 100% accurate in terms of the size. Because obviously, uh, 2K pride themselves on doing simulation games pretty much, don't they? Like NBA and uh, things like that. So, um, they've gone back and they've literally captured all of the animation in a proper size ring as opposed to the enlarged ring that uh, THQ used to use for their motion capture because it was easier to get more animation in a bigger ring so yeah that's why it looks a little bit strange but like television it looks like a television 
presentation of a match now, doesn't it? Definitely. Yeah. I mean, obviously, the entrances still have that computer game, sh- uh, video game yes, shine to yeah. them. But when you actually watch the in-game footage, because it's performance capture, mm. really does look very lifelike, the actual movement. And by everything that I've read about the control system, it looks like they've gone for a slightly more kind of UFC style in the kind of like, it's like you go into one setup to go into the next set of moves and you can't trigger certain moves until you've worn them down to a certain point. And it's all about kind of uh, a rock, paper, scissors when you go to the grapple to see who gets the upper hand. And it's about putting on a match rather than, just I mean that's someone. more that's more my cup of tea because in the old days people used to be like oh, I'll play I'll play with SmackDown mm. and because I was a smart mark I never used to play to win I used to play like oh I wonder if we can do this spot off this cage or I wonder if I can do <laughs> dive through two you, if we you do put this, on a show do, yeah. <laughs> yeah we could do a dive through two tables and I remember once playing a guy and he beat me really quickly and I looked at him I was just like what the fuck are you doing like you'll you'll, you'll never get booked again. You hit me with a schoolboy, for God's sake, man. I wasn't trying to win. <laughs> Gentleman's agreement, come on. Yeah, and that's the thing. is, that, And that, that was the problem. As soon as you went online with any of the um, the SmackDown or the, the WWE 2K, whatever, uh, WWE 13 or whatever, um, the, people just learnt. They were all, there was always like a spamming thing where you just do the same move again and again. It's like a running clothesline or a spear or something. You, you, it was unblockable, so it made the online like it, the enjoyment of going online really awful. I and that's why I always avoided uh, it. I played. Oh, geez, I can't remember what year it was. It must be very early. I think made SmackDown back in two thousand five or 2004 even, and mm. I played one game online with the PS2 at someone's house. And the guy, my opponent, was practically invisible except for his face. Mm. And he killed me with like three moves. I was just like, that that has put me off royally. And I didn't play another online wrestling game at all until one of the recent Smackdowns where I went online a couple of times. Yeah, and- it's... It's one of those. I, I I know why people do it because it's it's digital dick waving, but it, it just it does put you off going online. Because I really enjoy playing. I still play the WWE games every year, and I, I st- I'm still playing last year's game. You know, it's it's a good pick up and play to go against the computer. You know, stick it on legend difficulty. It's a bit of a challenge, and you can try and win. You know, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, and that's fine. But the moment you go online, it's just spamtastic. It is dreadful. It's an awful experience playing it. Um, so I'm hoping that they've done stuff that might level that out a little bit because you know it, it's good yeah, if you're sat in the same room playing someone and they're destroying you you don't mind too much because you know it's a laugh and a joke and you're all sitting around having a beer and playing the game if it's some six-year-old kid in florida who's learnt that if he does a fucking running ddt repeatedly on the outside that he's going to beat you then that's going to get slightly irritating but uh, yeah hopefully they've addressed that issue but yeah the gameplay like you say looks very good you can tell that they have reinvested in the motion capture and it is that pride thing the same it's the same thing every year I swear like they, they do this with Smackdown I mean um, earlier this year there was rumours that there would be no Smackdown um, before next year's Wrestlemania and lo and behold the announcement was made just before this year's Wrestlemania yeah true I mean, that's the thing is that I think people are trying to sort of second guess 2K and 2K they do have a, a bit of a bad reputation for DLC 
content in terms of they're good because they constantly update their games. So if you if you have NBA 2K14, they are still updating with new guys now. So someone will be introduced to a team and within a month you'll get them as a download for the game. Um, I can't see them doing that with the WWE stuff. I can see them doing a lot of DLC for this game because that's what it looks like that they've sort of they've done in the past with all of their franchises. There's not many people, many more people that can be added that they're that they're probably going to be sure of. I mean, noticeably absent was like was Adam Rose. Adam Rose isn't in it, is he? Like any of the kind of newish people. Adam Rose hasn't been confirmed, but they have mentioned him because um, they talked about the um, the sort of career mode that they they're doing for the next gen. It's not in the co- in the previous gen consoles so xbox 360 ps3 you won't get this mode if you have the xbox one or the ps4 there is a mode that's based on the nba 2k14 um franchise which is basically you start in nxt and work your way up so they have confirmed there will be some nxt characters in there which i think adam rose was one of those characters that they mentioned in the press release so he's been confirmed but then not mentioned at that event i just think what if you're going to do a two-hour event surely you want to unveil more than they did i don't know it just seemed a bit of a waste of time for the people involved and obviously it was a fluff and you know it was, it was maybe, promotion maybe for... they were maybe they were still licking their wounds from last year's symposium yeah possibly i think that yeah they, they kept it very straight and yeah i, I haven't seen the, the full thing but i know it was obviously a lot of plugs for SummerSlam and the network and all that kind of thing because they're, they're trying to get people to sign up for it but uh, yeah I, I don't know so far like I say everything I've seen of the gameplay looks really good so far the roster seems okay I mean I'm, I'm excited about the, the idea of the Sting DLC if you pre-order we, we spoke about that in the last episode you know the fact you get the Crow Sting you also get the uh, the, the Surface Sting as uh, Boo is a big fan of um, but I'm also excited about the special edition that they announced, which I have pre-ordered because a fool and his money are easily parted. And uh, it's the uh, the WWE 2K15 Hulkamania edition, available in the UK exclusively at Game. That's Game. Yes, kids, we can mention it now because I no longer work for them. Um, but it's it's quite interesting what they've done this time. Uh, last year was obviously the Undertaker edition with the coffin-shaped box and all that kind of bs um this time around it's the hulkamania edition as indeed we uh, we mentioned um so this one has and stop me boo when i've given you enough to justify the 79.99 they want to charge for it it's a copy of the game yes a whole copy of the game it's got an exclusive box with hulk hogan on the front of it an exclusive collectible card which has been autographed by hand by Hulk Hogan an exclusive Funko Hollywood Hulk Hogan vinyl figure an exclusive piece of authentic ring canvas from Hulk Hogan's Monday Night Raw appearance two pre-order Sting characters, that's the Crow Sting and the Surface Sting as we've mentioned and two pre-order launch exclusive Hulk Hogan characters so you get Hollywood Hulk Hogan and modern day Hulk Hogan. I'd still, I'd still always prefer to play as the old school yellow um, gear Hogan, eighties Hogan. 
Well, yeah, 80s Hogan seems to be the, the standard Hogan that's in there. So, yeah, that's... Uh, I'm, I'm quite excited about the idea of the, the two Hogans. I, I, I liked the comeback Hogan in the red and yellow. That was kind of a, a benchmark of my my turning from hating Hulk Hogan to actually thinking he was an ironic, iconic character. But... And as always, it's time for us to have a look at Jay's gizmo at this week's Backstory Bollocks. We all had a pet as a child. Well, all right, most of us had a pet as a child. Maybe all parents didn't love you. I don't know. I'm not your therapist. Most of us had a pet as a child. They were our best friend. Sometimes they were our only friend, particularly if we were detestable and or stinky. No matter what pet you had, they had their pluses and their minuses. Dogs are loyal and friendly, but they're also incredibly stupid and require you to actually leave the house with them once a day because it's apparently cruel to lock them in the cupboard under the stairs. In my defence, it didn't say anything in the Terrier instruction manual about storage. Plus, when you do take them out, you have to pick up their faeces. Why would I want to do that? So, I do that, and now the Terrier is even more upset because his cupboard is full of plastic bags of his own faeces. He shouldn't have to live like that, should he? Cats... Cats are great. They look after themselves, don't require walks, make a cool drum sound when they're happy. That's purring, by the way. Only, they're not great because they murder things and leave them on the carpet. You can't be doing that. Trust me. Prison happens. Also, they seem emotionally distant, like a cheating husband in a French film or a despondent snail. Goldfish, well, they die when you play with them on the floor. Budgies seem determined to get out of the house so they can throw themselves into the beak of a passing osprey. Gerbils think they're better than they are. Fuck you, gerbils. And other pets like snakes, spiders and rats are obviously owned by people who never got the memo about irrational fear. Now, an animal with no downsides does exist. The mugwai. They're friendly, helpful... And you can even talk to them without worrying that you're becoming a lonely oddity because they can actually understand you. Yeah, you know I'm referring to you, cat ladies. Yes, the Mugwai. No downsides with the Mugwai at all. Mm -mm -mm. Mind you, I've only ever watched the first 20 minutes of both of the films. So what do I know, eh? Anyway, people have told me that the main star of the Gremlins movies, Gizmo, was last seen saving New York from some terrible monsters called... The Gremlins. Hey, I guess I know where they got the title from. Apparently, they're the main villains in the first one, too. I wonder why Gizmo and the Gremlins are often in the same place. I'm sure it's not important. It's probably just coincidence. Anyway, folk who have seen the movies tell me that he did a bloody good job in helping his owner, Billy Peltzer, in stopping the terrible beasts in both of these films. See? Mugwai's are heroic too. Oh, I'd like to see Tiddles the Pussycat in the tyranny of a legion of lizard midgets. See? The perfect pet. It's just a shame that they're so rare. Not for me though. I bought one off eBay from Hollywood actress Phoebe Cates. Not only is it a Mugwai, it's also the big dick daddy G of them all. Gizmo. Wow. Amazing, right? He's a Hollywood star. Anyway, Phoebe said she was moving to a rainforest to run an all-night calf and didn't think it would be a great idea to take Gizmo down to the precipitous Amazon. I don't know 
I don't know why. Maybe his fur gets all fluffy in the rain or something. <sighs> anyway, it's not all great, this ownership. To be perfectly honest, I think it's proving to be a steep learning curve for me so far. Don't get me wrong, Gizmo is a dream pet. It's just some weird things have happened. Now, he arrived the other day. I say he, but I think he must be a girl because I gave him a bath, which admittedly he seemed quite reluctant to do. Just, you know, to freshen up after that long journey. And uh, well, he, I mean, actually probably she, instantly gave birth to about 35 different babies. And they all came out of her back. That's some unusual biology. She must have about 12 vaginas on her back. It's quite hard to pet Gizmo now. It just feels creepy and molesty. Anyway, Gizmo's offspring, and I mean that literally, they sprung off of his back. They seem a little bit tetchy. They're a little bit bitey and, well, they don't seem to get on with their mum Gizmo either. I don't think she's feeding them right. I had a good look for nipples under Gizmo's fur, which, again, made me feel a bit creepy. I couldn't see anything at all. And besides, 35 mouths is a lot to feed. Unigate couldn't provide that much milk. Two nights ago, I just couldn't sleep. I was worried they might die of hunger, and I'd end up being as hated as that woman who put a cat in a bin, or Hitler or someone. So I, I threw six packs of barbecue super noodles in a big pan and just thrust it in the spare room where I've been keeping all of them. It seemed to settle them down, so I went back to bed as happy as Larry, who I presume must be one chuffed with his lot dude. Well, more fool me for thinking I could relax because I got home today and they've all bloody gone. All of them. Someone's bloody stolen them. Only Gizmo was left and he was left trembling because someone had written twat on his eyelids in marker pen. What's worse is that the thieves who broke in have completely fucked up the spare room. It's covered with scratch marks, the window's broken, and there is snot everywhere. I mean everywhere, it's disgusting. There's so much of it, it looks like Triple H's hanky after a severe head cold. Gah, people. Not only that, there seems to be a riot in town. I can see the fires on the horizon. Next dog, dog has been bloody barking all day too. It's like they don't look after it at all. Honestly, if you can't look after animals, you shouldn't have them. I'm with Rolf on that. Um, just not those other things that Rolf has done. Anyway, goodbye. So, that was episode 31, as we say. Can you imagine we made episode 31? 12 months on, and here we are. And thank you so much, as I said in the intro, for listening to us. We keep building listeners each and every week, and that's thanks to you guys passing on the information, going onto our Facebook page via milkingitpodcast.com. You can go onto our Twitter at TeakTugger and the various other things that we have going. But there is special news this week, which you may have seen, Milksters, if you've been onto our Facebook page, is that we are going to be appearing live, Mr. Boo. Indeed, sir. We are going to the land of Robin Hood. Yeah, we. <laughs> the Milking It podcast will be live at the Nottingham Comic Con. Can you imagine? Live at the Nottingham Comic Con. It's uh, October the 4th, that's a Saturday, and we will be there. It's uh, it's one of the biggest uh, Comic Cons in the UK. It has been steadily growing from being Nerdfest in the past few years. This year it is a legit Comic Con. 
We shall be there, as will a friend of the show, Mr. Dino Peppers, at the Nottingham Conference Centre, which is in Goldsmith Street, Nottingham. Uh, you can get your tickets to come and see everything that's going on. There's loads of guests, loads of exhibitors. There's loads of bits and pieces going on there. There is a raffle where you can win some really, really fabulous prizes. There's some limited edition prints. There's some limited edition artwork. There is even, I've heard a rumour, a milking it t-shirt and mug that are going to be in that raffle. So if uh, that doesn't get you excited, I don't know what will. Um, you can get your tickets, as I say, at nottinghamcomiccon.co.uk or follow the link on the milkitpodcast.com. All that is left for me to say is, as always, thank you to Jay Hodgkin for his fabulous droppings. Thank you to John Sands for the brand new music. That's good, isn't it? It's good, isn't it? It sounds really good. It sounds really new and exciting. It's a different sort of version. Thank you, as always, to Dino Peppers for his artwork. As you will see, there's lots of new stuff popping up. There is a Milking It blog coming very soon. Thank you to Johnny Bailey for the bit of music that is going to play us out in just a second. But as always, I've been David Davis. I've been Boulamont, and with Jay Hodgkins, we say thank you once again for a quality year of geeky chat, and we hope you join us next time for more of the same. It's the Milk in It podcast. We love you. We out. Bye. You got the feeling that you're milking it. You got the honey for the boys. You want to milk it, you know. You got to milk it, and you know.